This morning we're going to um, continue in our um, life in the kingdom and mission in the kingdom series, but we're taking a detour from the book of Acts to look at um, Ephesians chapter 4. And so I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, remembering that last week when we looked at Acts, that um, Paul and Barnabas had a sharp dispute and parted ways. And so um, we explained last week that this week we were going to talk a little bit more and go deeper into God's call for unity, his desire for unity, and how to resolve conflict when it happens. And so, um, interestingly, Pastor Jalisa was sitting in leadership class over at the seminary this week, and um, their topic was conflict in the church. And so um, there was a book, and the book identified the, um, it's called The Ten Most Predictable Times of Conflict. So they've studied this in the church. And um, surprisingly, number one was Easter and Christmas. What? <laughs> um, but then I, I, and there's some others like budget time, changes in staffing, changes in leadership style, um, the completion of a new building, loss of church membership, addition to church membership. So um, pretty much just any time that there's change or um, extra stress um, can be a time when conflict shows up. And so we need to be prepared for conflict. And um, as I thought about, oh, you know, Christmas, that's a time for conflict? Like, what in the world? But then I thought, oh, yeah, I, I do remember conflicts over were we singing enough hymns during that season or were the color of the candles for the Advent wreath right? But, you know, we as a church, we're the people. We're, it's not the building. We're the people. And so um, as church but as families, um, we had conflict in our own home um, around Christmas one year when my mother, my value was trying to live without stress or de-stress during that time as a working mom with two little kids. And my mom had a high value for decorating for Christmas. And I had said we weren't having a Christmas tree that year. And um, so my mom came while I was at work and set up the Christmas tree. And then the kids came home, and um, my son, who was theatrical, um, just like threw himself on the living room floor. Oh! And anyway, and she's like, Brennan, what is wrong? And he's like, oh, you've ruined it. And he starts crying, and she's like, I've ruined what? And I mean, she had worked so hard to set up this Christmas tree and the lights and everything. And he goes, this is our family tradition that we always do it together, you know. And anyway, oh. <laughs> so they had this conflict in this well-meaning intentioned and um, trying to honor and value, and yet there was you know, a different expectation that my son had. And that's kind of a cute story. And when I think about him just throwing himself on the living room floor, ah, that's kind of cute. But what if we grow up and we just, when we have a conflict or a differing idea about how things should be done, we just go, ah, or I'm out of here, or speak words that were really hurtful when somebody was just trying to do something, but they didn't understand how you would perceive it. You see? how conflict happens, and um, they say that we just do not know very well how to do conflict. Like 95% of us don't know how to do conflict very well. And so today we can thank the Lord that he's given us some words 
um, through Paul. This one who had this sharp conflict with Barnabas years later is sitting in prison. And I just wonder if even he was thinking about, man, some regrets he had, maybe some ways that he wants to pass along some wisdom to the church so that um, we can do conflict better. And so um, if, starting with Ephesians 4, I'm going to read 1 through 6, and then I'm going to go down and grab 23, um, 22 and beyond. And I'm just going to read a little bit about unity and a call to unity and also some things about Christian living, some wisdom that he gives us. And so starting with verse 1, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Going down to verse 22. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only that which is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it might benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, Brawling and slander, along with every form of malice, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love. This is the word of the Lord. In the book of Ephesians, Paul is highlighting for Christians all the beautiful things that the Lord's done. He says, we've been given every spiritual blessing in Christ. He talks to us about in love that we've been chosen, predestined, adoption to sonship. We've had the forgiveness of sins in Christ. And the long-term goal he Outlines in 1 verse 10, he says the long-term goal is to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. And so if that's his long-term goal, how is he going to do that? He makes the church who we're being made, um, right, will be a church waiting for you. What's he doing? He's making us without spot and blemish. He's helping us grow into this call of unity and to be a witness by our unity. We sang a song this, or um, not sang, um, Marissa read something this morning about the oil going down like Aaron's Field, like how pleasant and good it is when we live in unity and that picture of the oil dripping down. 
Well, actually, in the Old Testament, if there was a priest or a prophet, they'd we'd do, if we anoint with oil, we'll just do a little dab on a forehead or something. I think they poured it over. And so there's this dripping down oil, and um, everybody then knew that they had the anointing of the Lord. Well, we, when we walk in unity, it's good and pleasant, and people see the anointing of the Lord manifest through our unity. All right, a call to unity. He starts out and he says, make every effort. That's the way the NIV says it. The ESV says, be eager. The New American Standard says, be diligent to preserve the unity. Eugene Peterson, some of you have read some of his books. You know perhaps that he died this week. But in his Bible phrase, in the message, he says, he paraphrased this verse this way, be alert at noticing differences and quick at mending fences. Be alert at differences and quick at mending fences. Be diligent. Make every effort in unity. Why? We need to guard this as precious because it's something that Jesus prayed for in John 17. He prayed, make them one, Father, even as you and I are one. So why? The world will know that you've sent me. And so our unity is precious. It's an answer to Jesus' prayer every time we manifest unity. And it's emphasized. One Lord, one baptism, one faith. And so all those ones, ones, ones is just reminding us this is important. Unity is important. Well, we've got trouble because sin What's the effect immediately of the great fall was separation, right? And the effects of sin is that separates. It separates us from God, separates us from one another. And they, back in that time in the early church, they had a lot of stresses. Christmas, Easter, it was all new. And um, there's new people coming in and different ethnicities and different ideas about how things should be done. And so they faced a lot of high risk for conflict. And yet this was such a great call. We face a high risk for conflict. Look at us. Aren't we a hodgepodge, eclectic, beautiful, lovely church family and community? And we've got a high risk for conflict. And so we need to um, know that conflict can happen and very likely may happen, and how are we to deal with it? Conflict happens, and I was with a group of um, pastors on Friday, and they were talking about how they handle conflict within, um, they were, most of them were married, and so they were talking about within their marriages. And so um, they were talking about cultural differences, and the African couple they will um, have a conflict shoulder to shoulder and not looking at each other. And then the um, Americans were saying, we look at each other and we're eye to eye. So there were cultural differences. Then there were family differences. And so um, one of them said, well, the one spouse grew up with a parents that openly had arguments, disagreements. Sometimes they got loud. But they lovingly worked through them and resolved them. And the children could watch or maybe listen in from the other room, they said. 
But they always heard a resolution. And there was love. The other spouse who was president said, my parents, as far as I know, never had a conflict. We never heard one disagreement. And she said, when we married and we had our first argument, she said, my spouse started to verbalize and get a little louder. And she just started crying and said, oh, no, I think we're going to get divorced. And, you know, she just she thought this is the end because, you know, she thought nobody has fights like they just apparently you just don't ever verbalize. You don't ever have a conflict. She did not know how to resolve a conflict other than to just shut down and be quiet. And I want to say, how many of us have had modeled loving, healthy conflict resolution? I don't know about you. That wasn't modeled in my home. And I think that maybe many of us have that. I was thinking even of um, as the prayers and sharing about how Hazel prayed for her family to get along. And I thought about my grandma and how she prayed and prayed for her family, the kids, to get along, my aunts and uncles. Two uncles, alcoholic. One aunt just left and never really wanted to come back to any family gatherings. So a lot of inability to navigate conflict and really, really sad results. The grace... The good news is that um, in Christ, he unites us to the Father and he unites us to one another. We're new creations. And he gives us some instructions about how to do conflict. Our approach is to cooperate. He says, maintain the unity by the Spirit. And so we cooperate with the Holy Spirit and he'll lead us to be and do these things, to live into our new identity as new creations in Christ, and be humble. To choose not to force one's own way or rights. Meekness takes strength. So it means you could choose to push your own agenda or push your own will, but actually to defer to another. Humility. Gentleness. Someone asked me recently, pray that I can overcome my emotions so my emotions don't overcome me. They were getting ready to go and testify in court. But actually, that's a prayer for gentleness, that we would actually be able to overcome and have self-control of our emotions rather than our emotions overcoming us. The third way that he says we can cooperate with the Holy Spirit as he grows this fruit of the Spirit, which is patience, to be patient. They say that the early church fathers considered patience the queen of virtues. If you had patience, you would win the battle. It was just a matter of when, but you would hold out and you'd be able to hold your ground and you would win. Well, when we think about holding out our ground in um, a conflict with one another, does that mean I hold out on my view or my opinion? But no, it actually means we hold out. We are so tenacious. We hang on to this idea that we're maintaining unity in the midst of conflict. That's what patience is, is to hold out and tenaciously hold on to and hold up under the heavy pressure because there's heavy pressure to divide 
to um, put a wall up and to separate. And don't we see this in our culture with marriages? Separate and divorce, separate and divorce. That's not God's intent. And if you have divorced, I'm not condemning you. But what I'm saying is God's intent, his will for any relationship, not just marriage, but within the church, is that we hold up and hold on to patiently this commitment to unity, trusting that the Lord will help us to work through whatever differences, different values, um, misunderstandings. Fourth, bearing with one another. This means overlooking little things. It means forgiving as Christ forgives. It means giving the benefit of the doubt. If you're bearing with one another, you're giving the benefit of the doubt. You're being understanding and recognizing that, hey, maybe they're just having a bad day. Or maybe their upbringing, they just didn't know that I would have this value. And actually, I need to understand what they're valuing. Bearing with one another. One person said, tolerating unpleasant people with grace. How do we do this? How do we bear up? And how do we bear with one another? We go back and remember that in Christ, we've been given every spiritual blessing. So we go back to the reserves of his kingdom reserves in us. Lord, help me, help me, show me the way to be a conduit of grace in this situation. The Jews and the Gentiles were one, they were made one in Christ. And the members of this church, even now as we've welcomed the Jaspers, we've entered into a relationship where we're committing to unity. Now they're coming from a different church and maybe they have a different tradition or a different whatever. I don't know. Anybody that goes and travels around the country for a year and sells their house, they could have some different ideas, right? Right? But we're committing today saying, we love you. You're one of us. We are one and we will work through and bear through until we can understand one another. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Through the bond of peace. I want to talk about peace And peacemakers are not those that just um, overlook things. Peacemakers address situations so that there can be long-lasting peace. And sometimes being a peacemaker means confronting, disrupting a false peace. So being a peacemaker. Many of us would say that we're conflict avoidant. If I ask for a show of hands, like, I'd prefer not to engage in conflict. I'm asking you. Show me your hands. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. That's really pretty most of the room. I'm just saying. All right? So most of us would be conflict avoidant. But what this does is it leads to disconnecting to avoid the conflict, which is disunifying. So we can put up a wall or we can actually just create space and not start showing up. Just like some of my extended family quit showing up for any holidays. They were, they were, um, disconnecting and that leads to disunity. Or another way, if we're conflict avoidant, we stuff things or we just sweep it under the rug, right? Have you ever gotten your feelings hurt and you just stuffed it? And then the next time that thing comes up, because you never said anything about it, that that bothers you, 
And then you stuff it some more, and you stuff it some more. And do you know what a pressure cooker, anybody ever seen a pressure canner thing? And like when the pressure starts to build, the little thing on top starts going, you know? That's what what happens emotionally when we're stuff, 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 and all, all of a sudden it's like it's getting to the boiling point. And if you don't have a lid on a pressure canner just right, it, my grandma told me it can explode. All right? We, have you ever seen somebody that just has one of those boom? Like all of a sudden the pressure just came, everything just came out because the pressure had been building much, much better if we would um, address what the problem was rather than stuff, stuff, stuffing it or just trying to sweep it under the rug. Because if you just put a bunch of trash under the rug and under the rug, don't you think it's going to stink after a while? Yeah. Just saying. That's a that's a visual and think about what that smells like. All right. So um one one pastoral um oh what is it? Pastoral care professor, Dr. Augsburger, instead of using the word confronting, he liked to use the word care fronting. Care fronting. And it um is a way that we can actually value relationships. Think about this. If I value this relationship, then I'm going to care front you. I'm going to care enough about you and me and our unity that I'm going to care front you. Dane, you and I have care fronted each other quite a bit in 33 years. It's gotten better. We've learned, but actually neither one of us had modeled very well how to um, do conflict at all. I saw this quote, love happens during honest, difficult conversations when nobody leaves. Care, love happens during honest, difficult conversations when nobody leaves. That's when love happens. I wanted to be practical in application of this, all right? We're talking about, do you believe that God's teaching and calling for unity? Have I convinced you of that? Do you believe the scripture teaches us that? All right. And do we, um, we've already acknowledged that we, most of us kind of are conflict avoidant and maybe we don't have a lot of good experience. I wanted to be practical and give you a tool. And so in your worship folder, you should have received an insert that on one side it says climb the ladder of integrity and on the other side it says clean fighting. Um, I'd like you to each have this tool and be able to take it home, read through it, and use it. And I want to say this comes from an organization called Emotionally Healthy. Yes, I I think I wrote it. Yeah, EmotionallyHealthy.org is where you can find this and download this and find many other resources. There's videos on how to use these tools. This first one called the Ladder of Integrity, it's it's the purpose of using it is for self-awareness. Some of you are very in touch with your feelings and your thoughts and can, um, you're pretty analytical. You just think about and you're aware. For others of you, you th- say, I don't really know at any given time how I'm feeling or what I'm thinking. Um, this little tool, if you start with number one, you can just work your way up that ladder of integrity and it helps you give you some sentence starters um, for self-awareness. So right now the issue on my mind is, and you just name one issue and you just stick with that issue. And then my part in this is because there's always two parties. It takes two to tango and it takes two to have or more to have a conflict. 
Um, well, actually, I guess you could have a conflict with yourself, too. So sometime you might want to walk yourself through this, too. But <laughs> this is where conflicts with one another. Um, and then you start to identify what is my need in this issue, what's my feelings, um, what do I value, and then um, one thing that I'm willing or not willing to do, something that I could do to improve. The most important thing I want you to know is I think my honest sharing will benefit our relationship by, I hope and look forward to, this is a way to say right now, this is on my mind. And this is what, this is kind of how I'm thinking and feeling about this and what I value and what I want you to hear most of all. And I hope that when you start saying number 10, that you'll say, I value our relationship. I value unity. I value, um, this relationship, and this is why I wanted to come and talk to you today, so that we're honoring one another, but we also can be honest with one another. So this is really for the purpose of self-awareness. This, If you turn over to the other side, clean fighting. Um, yeah. Are you saying that like, two people would use this together, that you choose? Yeah, yeah, yep, you could each. But the self-awareness, really, you start with trying to understand yourself and um and you could use that tool, two people together could each work, if they identified a conflict, they could work through that. But then there's other, this little more consolidated, and it's called clean fighting. And um, and again, it's, I hate that, because I don't like the idea of fighting. I'm one of those mothers that just wants everybody to ha- be happy and get along. But actually, you do have to engage in conflict resolution. And so again, it's fighting together against the problem of disunity or the danger of disunity. It's speaking the truth in love. Now, um, when I think about clean fighting versus dirty fighting, um, dirty fighting, they say, is things like blame, sarcasm, criticism, you know, um, threatening gestures. Remember last week we were talking about Paul and Barnabas and how that those sharp words, and um, Brendan was sitting here. Right, you may as well just go ahead and start to shrink. Because I was like, you know, I think Barnabas and Paul were just poke, poke, poking at each other with their words. Well, that's how blaming and sarcasm goes. And actually, what I read down um, from Ephesians 4, verse 31, he says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander. So don't do the dirty fighting that is really not going to bring unity. It's not going to help build up unity. But let's do clean fighting. And in the context of love, love your neighbor as yourself. The goal is to gently restore unity. And this gives a tool. The first thing is don't go in angry. All right? So you have the choice to go ahead and forgive long before you engage in this kind of conversation. And you ask, this is kind of crazy, I had to think about this, you ask permission to do a clean fight. So if you're having a conflict with someone, and I'm just, I'm just going to go back to Dane because this is the safest person for me to model this with. Um, but if, if I was going to want to have a um, conversation where we were going to engage in conflict, I'd say, um, would it be okay for us to engage in a clean fight tonight after we both get home from work? And so that honors the person and gives them some time to think about it because is the timing right and is the place right? If I try to engage in a conflict when he's on his way out the door to work at like 5.30 in the morning, that's not the right time. He's in a hurry 
And um, I haven't had my hot tea to really wake up. You know, this just would not be a good time. All right? It all, so we're looking for the timing, the place. And then um, as you're speaking, you're using these sentence starters to state the problem. I notice this, and I value this. And when you do this, I feel. So you, can you see we're not blaming, but we're just owning how I feel in this situation and um, stating whatever the specific request would be. And as the person's listening, they're restating it back. They're listening. Oh, so I hear you saying this. I hear you saying that you notice this. I hear you saying you value this. So there's a back and forth a little bit. And then the listener considers the request that you're making. So like if it was something like uh, Dane would say something like, um, Please don't park in the middle of the garage, like park in your side, you know, like I w- if he wanted to have a clean fight and talk to me about this, then I would say, I hear you saying that you want me to park on my side of the garage and not pick the middle. And um, anyway, and then I would think about that and either I could agree to that or I could say, make a suggestion like, how about we alternate? Like we each get to park in the middle and the other one parks out in the driveway and scrapes. I don't know. Like, you know, but you get the idea. All right. And so this, this is a tool that you can use and it may feel a little, um, a little stiff or unnatural, but again, if we aren't good at conflict, would a little stiff conversation that was respectful and wholesome be preferable to um, not engaging in trying to come into unity? Okay. So, um, Dane, you've got you're going to give a little testimony about this. Hi, everybody. (laughs) So um, earlier this week, I had an angry outburst with one of my coworkers. And um, I was not exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit. And um, it put up a dividing wall between me and my fellow coworker. And immediately I knew it was was bad. I did a bad thing. And um, so uh, I think it was even that evening, um, Jean and I were talking, and so she learned about this. And um, she said, oh, well, I'm working on this this sermon, and I'm working on this conflict resolution thing. And um, would you be willing to kind of take a test? I don't think, I don't know if she said test, but she just said, you know, this, this ladder of integrity. You know, and I kind of hemmed and hawed because I kind of felt like I was being put on the defensive a little bit. And, and so some of you guys know that um, I've already mentioned that I'm not real introspective, meaning I don't analyze my thoughts. I'm not in tune with my feelings. Um, I'm the kind of person that says I think something. I think. I don't say I feel a lot. And so this has a lot more feeling kind of to it. And I just, it's, it was hard for me to, get in tune with this. So anyways, I accepted her challenge. And so I worked through this with my confrontation with my coworker. Now, I didn't do it to him, but I just practiced it with Gina. And um, so, you know, right now my issue on my mind is, and so I just said it out loud to her towards my coworker, Cody. And 
It was, I have to say, it was a little bit difficult for me to kind of get in tune with my feelings, but I think it really helped me. And if I could, if I could have this sheet with me or kind of get this down, Pat, it would definitely help me with a conflict resolution because my outburst put, put up a dividing wall. And I did apologize to my coworker because it was completely my fault and it was uncalled for. And so anyways, I did have conflict resolution and I think that this would be a good tool to help in the future. Thanks. What, um, what I wanted you to hear from that is that um, we can practice with one another. That was a post-argument, but for the purpose of better preparation for the future. Also, um, they suggest from this website that if you have a, a difficult conversation that you're anticipating, sometimes it helps to um, just have somebody to kind of coach you, like you practice speaking through this ladder of integrity or you practice what you would say if you were going to schedule a clean fight and um, it can be helpful to work with a coach. And so we don't have coaches, but we have care elders and they are very willing to meet with anyone if you wanted to um, try to just get rehearse a little bit um, how you would um, use this tool or just to sit down and talk through that, they would be happy to um, meet with you and, and um, to talk through this uh, way of trying to work through conflict. Um, interestingly, one other thing I read is um, don't think about conflict as an accident or something to be avoided. Each conflict is an opportunity for effective witness of Jesus Christ. So rather than thinking about conflict as an accident or something that you wished hadn't happened, actually think this is an opportunity for me to display the um, fruit of the Spirit, the love of Christ, a commitment to unity, and um, to make Jesus known and revealed on earth. And so I'll close by just reminding us again um, that Scripture said, follow God's example as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love for his glory. Amen.